0: Well, good morning. Oh, that is so, so good to have that life and energy. And don't you wish you were young again? Oh, man. So, so good. You know, uh, you guys got a little taste right there of what happens week after week after week of kids praising God. Isn't that so beautiful? That's so, so special to be a part of. Um, We're taking today to focus in on... Family And to celebrate what God is doing, what he's going to do. And uh, as a family pastor here at Path uh, I'm just thrilled that we have this opportunity to focus in on what, what God wants in our own homes. And um, we're going to continue on with a message series that we started last week uh, called Walk the Line. Walk the Line. And um, the Urban Dictionary has this definition, okay, I'm not sure if this is working on, uh, Look at this guy. Nate's all over it. Um, just does it all um, to maintain a fragile balance between one extreme and another. That's what it means to walk the line, right? And uh, we've got this line on on the on the stage here. Maybe you can see that. Where uh, you'd have to you'd have to be pretty good in order to stay on this line if you're walking a long distance. Yeah. Well done. Ah. Oh. Give it up. Uh, so we're, we're trying to walk the line in life and balance different extremes. Uh, so one you know, example from our life, this past summer we had the chance to go to BC on a family vacation. And some of you, when you vacation, it's like just beach chair and relaxation. Like that's your deal, right? That's the idea. You have a vacation. Okay? So, so we did that. We enjoyed different uh, parts of it. There's no beach chairs, but we were on the beach a little bit. And then, there's other people when you go on vacation that it's like, give me adventure, give me excitement, I want new experiences, I want to see it all, give me the itinerary, let's go, right? How many of you, beach chair? chair. Yes, okay, how many, like, I don't know, like, backcountry canoe trip? (laughs) Yes, okay, wow. Um, A beautiful family vacation is probably going to involve a little bit of both. But for our family, one of our core values is curiosity. So when we went out to BC, it's like, let's jam in the hikes. Let's, let's see it all. Let's, like, take an helicopter ride. That didn't happen. But uh, we, there's a thing called Flyover Canada that's kind of like it. That was fun. Uh, so we're just trying to, in family vacations, balance those things. Maybe let's talk about uh, health and diet. There's the people, you get a perfect summer night. It's like, I need an ice cream cone. That would hit the spot just right. There's some people... I could use an ice cream cone every single night, right? Yeah, okay. Then we got the like, I don't know, the sugarless killjoys over here. That's like the black bean brownies. Like, no, 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 no. We're trying to we're trying to walk the line, right? And that's also true of our relationship with God. And this is what Pastor Nathan kind of spoke on last week, and we're going to continue on this Sunday where. There's actually like tension-filled pairs in the Bible, okay? Uh, there's, there's God's, uh, his justice, his, his, his like the truth of who he is, and he's righteous, and he's holy, and he's good, and he's full of mercy and grace and compassion. And those, those two, we need to hold in tension and walk the line as we understand who God is. Uh, then, then there's the God, God being sovereign. He understands what's going to happen even in the future. He knows what's going to happen, and he's in control of the world. But it's also true that as humans, we have a choice. We have the opportunity to choose how we're going to speak, the thoughts that we're going to think, how we're going to live. Right? Those, those two, we're going to hold intention and walk the line as we go through life. And this morning, we're going to focus in on what it looks like to walk the line in our families, where we are going to... Um, acknowledge two different things, uh, both God's part and our part, okay? So we're going to explore that, what it looks like in the family, and to do that, we're going to turn to Psalm 127, which is the text we used last week, and we're going to continue on and pull some more things out of that. So uh, if you want to flip there or or turn uh, in your app over to uh, Psalm 127, and we're going to read that together. So, it starts like this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Okay? Unless the Lord, we'll continue on, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So, that's kind of of the groundwork that we're going to start with this morning. And so, what does that mean? Okay? Uh, I think a lot of us, probably all of us, would like a thriving family. Whether we're parents, whether we're grandparents, whether we are um, someday hope to be parents, whether we're friends of, of people that live next door and hope they have a thriving family and don't like you know, mess up your life, you know what I mean? We all kind of hope for a thriving family. And this morning, I want to share kind of four different um, ideas for what makes a thriving home, okay? And we're going to walk through what, what God's part is. And then what our part is. So with that text, unless the Lord builds the house, um, you want a thriving family? Yeah. Okay. What do you think is the number one contributor to a thriving home? What do you think it is? Is it, is it um, your uh, socioeconomic status? yeah? Okay. Like I- income, uh, family, household income. Is that it? No. Is it the, uh, the connections that you have in a community? Well, that might feel a little bit more right, but no, that's not even it. Is it quality of of education? Is it um, all the different things around you that are circumstances that kind of act on you? No, okay? Those are good things. But at the heart of what makes the thriving home is God being at the center. Yeah, God being at the center. Unless the Lord builds the house, what it's saying is there's acknowledging right from the outset. If you want a thriving home, thriving family, thriving city, it starts with God being at the center. And, uh, you know, when I think about kind of uh, the families that we have uh, and this message, if if there's anything I, I hope to communicate in this service to you, it's that God must be at the center of your family in order for things to go well with you. You know, there, there may be uh, times and seasons where uh, things go all right, even though uh, it's kind of like a distant memory in your life. There's, there's, there's the grace that God gives us even when we don't walk in obedience to Him. But that's what it is. It's grace and mercy for us. But if you want a thriving home, it starts with being intentional about the way that you love God, how you serve Him. In, in your home, are you having conversations about him, what he's sharing kind of the things that you're learning about him and passing him on. And we're going to talk, we have a dedication towards the end of the service, where we're going to talk more about what Deuteronomy says about this, because God lays out something really clear for, the, for how to make Christ the center of our homes. So, um, then he continues on with this. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Okay, so some of us are those like rise up early people. Stay up late, get things done. Bedtime is midnight because there's just that much that has to happen. Uh, We're eating the bread of anxious toil. By the time we get home uh, after like just a hard day's work, we're just like worn out. We're anxious. We're kind of, you know, just on edge. What God is saying through these verses is that when He is at the center, There's a peace that kind of fills through life. And he gives to his beloved sleep. This description here, does that sound a little bit like parenting? Right? Rising up early, going to bed late, doing whatever it takes, facing the anxieties of what's going on in my kid's life, their friendships, their schooling, decisions for their future, all that. That feels like parenting. But when God's at the center, we experience peace in a whole nother way. So, um, the first, first point, okay? God is at the center. But let's continue on, okay? So, behold, this is verse 3. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Now, uh, what's, what's a heritage? Okay, so that's, that's an, an inheritance that's given to you that's not something that you work for, that's just passed on to you. So, let's, um, let's take an example. Say uh, you inherited, oh, what would be fun? Like a cottage on Stony Lake, can you imagine if, if that was your inheritance? Okay, that'd be pretty fun. Um, if you were the one who inherited that, what would you what would you do with that? Just let kind of like the, the weeds grow up, the, the just kind of let let nature take its course? I, I doubt it. You'd probably be like manicured lawn. You'd be have your, your dock set. You got the chairs out there. You guys, some of you have been to cottages. You know what I'm talking about. Like you would have it done up to the nines because it matters to you, right? So it's it was something that was given to you. You didn't work for it, but you have it and you value it. It matters to you. You're going to take care of it. Well, what, what this verse is saying is that children are the inheritance to us. Okay? This is this children are a gift to us. And so there's kind of like a stewardship principle there. Uh, it's not that we just kind of receive it and then do whatever we want with it. Like the kids that God puts into our homes, whether we're the parents or guardians or single parent, whatever that looks like, they are God's children that we're taking care of with love and care and intentionality. So we're going uh, to value um, the place that we have. And so kind of the second point, what makes a thriving home? It's this, okay? Owning our responsibility as parents and guardians to lead our kids towards Jesus. That's not something that just kind of happens on its own. You know, as the, as the family pastor, I think about what your homes look like. I think about um, how, how does faith actually grow? Because at the heart of who we want to be as a church, in, uh, in ministry to kids and teens, we want them to have a faith of their own. So how does that happen, okay? How does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen through a lot of the ways that you might develop your kids uh, other skills like say they want to be you want them to be a better skater you sign up for skating lessons you drop them off and you pay someone else to kind of have to do chiropractic work after the end so that you don't have to hunch over and you know teach them how to skate been there done that Uh, my my girls love gymnastics I'm not going to teach them how to do a, a, a flip on a tumble track but I can I can pass that off to someone faith is not one of those things that you can pass off as an extracurricular thing you know, you can, you can bring your kid to a program, whether it's church or Friday night youth. Uh, you know, those are really, really meaningful things. But at the end of the day, what God says is, our parents have the responsibility in spiritual leadership of their homes. So, that's number two. Okay, number three. Um, what is it that makes a thriving home? It says this, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Like, arrows in the hand of a warrior. We don't have many arrows in the hands of warriors, but um, something so valuable and precious. Okay? Like, what's a warrior without a weapon? Okay, this is, like, critical. And I'm not sure that when we think about kids in our society today, we think of them as arrows in the hand of a warrior. So here's the, here's the question for you. Are kids an asset something valuable, something that, um, that brings uh, added value to your life, or are they a liability? Okay? Are they an asset or a liability? When you think about kids, um, Money Sense published a 2015 study that the average cost to raise a child until the age of 18... Anyone want to guess how much it costs to raise a kid up to, uh, up to 18? 350,000, that's actually a really good guess. Uh, In 2015, it's uh, 253,000. So by now, 2022, it's 1.6 million with inflation. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, I think it's just under 300,000. That's what it costs to raise a child from 0 to 18. And when Sonny and I were were, uh, newly married and we had our daughter at 22. We're in North York at university, and we're surrounded by, um, you know, luxury cars of every kind. We're rocking our, like, 96 Corolla, right? And uh, we go into a grocery store in kind of that neighborhood, and we're holding our little one. And people are looking like, what are you even doing? Like, why do you have a kid already? What happened? Um, And then, you know, fast forward five years later, we're 27 with three kids. And people look at us. And they might say, wow, you know, say you're going through a grocery store, like, well, you got your hands full, right? Maybe you've heard that as a parent, which is why you do click and clack so people don't stare at you and all that. <laughs> um, you got your hands full. And it's true. We do have our hands full. But that's a beautiful thing. To have our hands filled with precious, precious lives. And kids are not a liability. Yeah, sometimes a lot of inconvenience that comes with kids, but there is value and strength in every single child. And so what makes a thriving home? It's when we value each child. Okay? And as a church, um, we're going to value each and every child. And we're going to be intentional about how we lead them. We'll make sure that it's a vibrant, special place for every single kid to have the opportunity to experience relationship with Jesus. That's what we're about, and I hope that that's what your home is filled with. And as a church, you know, I might add all these three points, and we'll get on to the fourth in a second. We're going to make sure that as we map out um, volunteer roles, as we map out programming, as we share resources, that God's at the center, okay? We're going to make sure that, um, that we own our responsibility to lead and guide kids towards Jesus, and we're going to value each and every child. You know, kids are so, so precious, and then let's move on to verse 5. It says this. Okay? Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Okay, blessed. It's not like, shame on you. It's not, uh, poof, you got your hands full, like, sucker. Uh, no. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So there is a rich blessing We have the opportunity to just experience as parents in the middle of the crazy or as grandparents, probably grandparents feel that a little bit more, the blessing of grandkids. But there's a blessing that comes with that. And there's a lot of different things that you can build in life. You can build um, companies, you can build teams, you can build a a physical home, but there's not many more things more noble and beautiful than building a home where God's first, and kids are valued, and you own your place, and you receive the blessing of kids. So what makes a thriving home? It's this, enjoying the blessing that children bring. And I'm kind of thinking about that in two different parts, um, both the blessing of the way that kids are right now, and then also the blessing of who they become. Because at the end of the day, we trust that as we invest, as we do our part, and God does his, fruit will come. And that blessing will come as we faithfully So, Just like that song said, even when I don't feel it, you're working. We trust that the blessing will come. So, um, as a church, our aim is that every child would develop a faith of their own. And kind of like how I hinted at how um, the, the the faith development of a child or teen is not something that's an extra extracurricular that you can pass off and delegate as a church we want to partner with you okay as parents we want to partner with you and so we have been using curriculum from a provider called orange but it's 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 deeper than just like they give us some activities and we roll them out this is um i'll show an image here that kind of represents two different circles to help explain this so um over here we have a, a yellow circle that's church. And that's that's the church is the light of the world. Like that's the bride of Christ. That's um, whoever we are. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. But then we would have this circle over here, the home. Okay. And that's the home is the best place uh, to just provide a loving circle around a child. But what we're trying to do is not just say, uh, hey, drop off your kid over here in church, and we will raise them to love and follow Jesus. And we're not just going to leave you on your own as parents and say like, figure it out, there's a beautiful overlap in the middle, okay? Where, you know, yellow and red make orange. And uh, we talk about this idea of, like, think orange, and we're an orange church. And what that means is we want to come alongside you and assist you as parents to have your kids love and follow Jesus. And we're going to celebrate that in a dedication uh, in a little bit and hear kind of someone's story. I uh, can't wait for this. Just talk about how, how it is that the church and the home come together in a beautiful way. So, um, guys, wh- where does this leave us? Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds your home, okay? Your family, those who build it labor in vain. So, what's your part? Okay, what's your part? Uh, I guess it's it's a bunch of different things, kind of like I outlined. But it starts with God does his part, okay? He's going to build... Your home he's taking care of you, he's giving you the breath that he, he that, that you have. he created you, he made you all that, but then we respond in these four different ways, okay We respond uh through uh through valuing our kids through putting you know, inviting God in just in the center of our home We, we take uh, ownership and responsibility and um yeah we we, uh, we just receive that blessing so um what is what is the bad news out of all this okay? you actually can't be a perfect parent. I, like, that's bad news, right? You, you, some of you like, you're trying hard. You want to be a perfect parent. So why don't you turn to someone beside you and say, you can't be a perfect parent. <laughs> Shocker, hey? Shocker. You've always wanted to say that. But, but, wouldn't it be great if you were? No, um, the good news is this. You can be a parent who trusts God and does their part. Okay? That's something you can do. And that's really freeing to know yeah, it's not my place to control every single factor. That's a weight that you were never meant to carry. But you can be a parent who trusts God and does their part. So um, to wrap up, I just, I just want to leave you with this. Okay. We don't, wear, we don't bear the weight of parenting alone, okay? God is with us, and he gives to his beloved sleep as we trust him. And some of you, when you think about the parenting years that are behind you, you have regrets, and you wish, ah, I wish I would have done this differently, I wish this would have happened. And you kind of live with some of the guilt, maybe shame, and there's a few different pieces to that. Uh, we also want to acknowledge that, like kids, also have a place. They have a relationship um, with God, whether distant or close. That's that's on them at some point. Uh, and Deuteronomy 5:16 says this: Honor your father and mother, as the Lord commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Kids have a place to follow Jesus, and this is one of their primary ways. Just Honor, father and mother. So, so kids have uh, an opportunity and a role. And then, uh, at the end of the day, we realize that we do our best, we do our part, we're intentional, make the most of the opportunities that we have, and then we leave it in God's hands. He loves our kids more than we do. Maybe you have a child that's that's wayward, and it's just kind of it's just kind of it's a knot in your stomach that you just wish. And you're praying for them. That's your part. Keep praying for them. Love them. Care for them. Maybe uh, there's something in your past that's been really hard to deal with. Uh, you don't have to carry that weight and responsibility alone. God loves you. He cares for you. He's, he's a good, good father. So we trust God with our lives. Okay? We trust God with our lives and our homes that we give it to him. It's his. Uh, we're just going like, to keep going to him for everything that we need. And we're going to take responsibility and love God and serve Him and live with everything that we can. We're going to walk that line. Sound good? We're going to do that together. Hey, in a second, uh, we're going to have the opportunity to hear about one couple in our church. They're actually uh, youth leaders and have been for, uh, I think they started in as youth leaders six or seven years ago, and then they were away for a time and they're back. So um, just really, really special. But you'll get to hear their story of their parenting journey through marriage, and uh, I can't wait for this. I was, we were able to film this this week, and like uh, you're going you're gonna to love what comes out of this, but I want you to listen to hear them share the part that they had and God's part in their story and the beautiful overlap of both, and then we're going to dedicate their child right after. Okay? So let's go to that video now.
1: So Jake and I have been married, we will be married seven years in October, uh, and we started off our marriage uh, knowing that I have a lung disease called cystic fibrosis, and that it would potentially stop us from having children, uh, or at least make it difficult. So we went into marriage uh, knowing right away that we needed to do fertility investigation and start trying to have a family. And so that's where we started. From there, we uh, we started our lives together. Jake worked out of town uh, during the week, and so our first year of marriage was a little tough, getting to know each other, that sort of thing. Uh, and then the second year of marriage, we decided that we really were gonna try to expand our family. We actually moved to Stratford for five years, uh, four and a half, five years. And it was there that we started that. um, And we ended up with results of unexplained infertility, which is actually really common, uh, but really frustrating because there were no answers as to why we couldn't get pregnant. Um, Our family was all getting pregnant around us. We called it the Mm -hmm. Dunn baby boom. (laughs) If anyone knows the Dunns, a lot of us attend Pathway, you'll know that there are a lot of little mini Dunns running around. Um, so that was beautiful and exciting, but also really hard and created a lot of grief for us as we waited for our miracle baby and, uh, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So I think it was year four that we decided to really give it to god and and all along we had decided like there was no recipe for how we wanted a baby Mm -hmm. if um if we were going to adopt if we were going to foster if we were going to conceive through fertility or naturally whichever we were happy with Mm -hmm. so um
2: yeah it was it was tough quite honestly um there were moments where it was like why us you know we're serving we're and not to say like oh well we're you know we're checking off all the boxes we're being good little Christians why can't you just give us what we want which was a a child and looking back like the, the the testimony that we have and it's that cliche Christian lingo of like there is no testimony there to test and this was definitely a test because there were moments myself personally where I'm like what's the point but that's the selfish me of like you're not giving me what I want so I'm walking away from you but I did have those battles with God where it's like come on man like Really? like, And again, I love my family, but it's like, everyone's having babies. Twins, everything. And it's just like, really? Not us? Like, what do we got to do? We just got one. The moments we thought we were pregnant, and it was like, oh, I think this is it. Nope. Yeah. Negative. And then, oh, somebody's pregnant. And it's like, oh, great. Not us, but whatever. That was my emotion. The fight, the battle with God. But like you said, four years in, five years in, we just eventually, like, we'll, we'll give it to you, God. Whatever you... If we're gonna be aunts and uncles for the rest of our life, we will. And we'll be the best we can be. So
1: Yeah. And I think like we're parents, so (laughs) (laughs) here we go. I think God, you know, always gave us something to to steady us so that we could stay on that journey and we could hold on and and we could not give up hope and and a big part of that, like you said, was surrounding ourselves with people, specifically some mentors we met in Stratford. Mm -hmm. Um, they were totally out of the box of what we would have envisioned our mentors being. They were ex-Mennonites. They lived on a farm. They were just this absolutely lovely couple, and to this day are two of our best friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had experienced so much grief and so much loss in their lives, and yet their home, their family, their lives, their faith, it was all to honor Jesus. And they just wanted to give and pour into people, and they they taught us that Mm -hmm. and along with so many other people we could not be here today if it weren't for Mm -hmm. our friends and our families especially um you know we've referenced before that that image in the bible of moses when he's leading the israelites into battle and he's standing on the mount uh holding his staff up and when he would hold it up they would win but his arms started to get heavy and so Aaron and her came and held his arms for him. Mm-hmm. And that's how we felt. There were many times where we were literally on the ground crying out to God. We didn't have the strength. Our marriage was in question. There was, mm-hmm. there was, we were losing friendships and relationships because our grief was so heavy. Mm-hmm. And yet our village never let us quit. <laughs> and they, they were the hands and feet of Jesus in that time for us, So.
2: Amidst my wrestling with God Me and him having our little battle And of course he won (laughs) Always does But uh, No I had a dream I'm not a big dreamer I have dreams And I'm like I don't know what that was Like I forgot What I dreamt about But I had a nightmare But this one Yeah this one was bizarre So basically uh, Allie and I were actually Walking through Selwyn Outreach Center Church And all I remember Is just coming through The the doors And I'm holding a baby In the car seat Showing everybody And uh, we're walking And we had a young girl With us Um dark hair taller like maybe five six no idea where she came from uh but then there was a little boy in a car seat and I said to you like he looks like me curly blonde hair so I'm like oh that's kind of cool maybe that's something to hang on to and his name was Keon like Dave Keon I'm a big Lee fan but I'd never named my kid Keon sorry Dave but so I looked I actually looked it up because you said well maybe that means something and it literally means God is gracious And I was like, oh, my goodness, really? Like, what the heck? So that was cool. So that's something I hung on to, and that kind of sparked my, like, faith journey of, like, okay, this guy's legit. This guy, you know, I can't, you know, he's going to win those battles.
1: So we moved back to Peterborough about a year and a half ago. COVID really um, made us realize that we wanted to be with our families. We were exhausted from our fertility journey, and we decided that uh, we were just going to move home and be awesome aunts and uncles, Mm -hmm. because Oliver has 14 cousins, (laughs) so there's a lot to love. Um, And we moved home, and we just kind of said, okay, God, we give you the baby situation. We think we're done. We don't know that we can keep doing this, the fertility treatments, all that stuff. It was too much. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of gave it to God and said, unless you do a miracle, we're content, Mm -hmm. Um, and then. A former youth reached out, but she said, I just, God gave me a word for you, and it's about the walls of Jericho. And I believe that you're supposed to walk in victory this year, mm-hmm. um, just like they did for the walls of Jericho, and that your walls are going to become tumbling down that night. Jake was, I think, at hockey or something, and I was bawling my eyes out, mm-hmm. and I actually walked around our house in tears, declaring that this was our year of victory and that there was a baby coming. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a month later, it was my birthday, and uh, my sister Kaylee, who's usually quite timid and isn't one to speak up, at, um, Jake's parents were there for dinner as well. It was my family and Jake's family, and and she just stood up and she said, that's it. Get to the couch. We need to anoint you with oil. We're going to pray. This is going to be your baby year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're like, okay. So we all gathered around. But I think, honestly,
2: you can say you and I were like, mm, here we go again. Yeah, like- because... Well, you can pray, but <laughs> like that—that that was kind of what our thought was.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so as much as like they always talk about in the fertility community how hope is a very mm-hmm. hard word because hope is so exciting, but it's terrifying because when it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. it's devastating, and so you're always scared to hope. But mm-hmm. uh, it felt like a flame was reignited a little bit, and so we moved forward in hope. And two weeks later. We were at that very same dinner table at my parents', and uh, a friend, an old family friend from Peterborough, called and uttered the words I never thought we'd hear. Mm-hmm. And she literally said, Do you want a baby? And we're not on any list. We were not, um, you know, through adoption or or fostering, but there was a a family friend connection and um, she knew of a woman who um, was a hard drug user and wanted us to know that up front, that the baby would be born addicted. Um, and not just, like, little things, like some really heavy stuff. And mm-hmm. they they thought it was a girl, and uh, they actually thought the baby was biracial. There was a lot of factors. We we really didn't have any information. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know the due date. She wasn't properly mm-hmm. monitored, um, but was like, are you interested? And we're like, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and uh, we met the birth mother, and she came running up to us, gave us mm-hmm. a big hug, introduced herself, and she said, do you want to feel your baby? Mm-hmm. And it was like that. From the moment she met us, she honored us so deeply to say this is your baby Mm -hmm. and and I'm literally just carrying it Mm -hmm. and uh so I was able to go to a lot of appointments with her from then on and a lot of the times we would just sit at home and be like is this really happening like
2: almost still doesn't care (laughs) quite honestly
1: (laughs) setting up a nursery like and I think too because we had had so many disappointments that we were like are we being stupid like Mm -hmm. are is this ridiculous and even when we announced it and and half the reason we announced it was because our village had supported us to this Mm -hmm. point that we wanted them to be with us and pray Mm -hmm. Uh, but two if it didn't work out we knew we needed them in Mm -hmm. the aftermath as well
2: and then i had another dream i don't even remember what the dream was but all it was was a little boy and his name was oliver and i was like okay i'm doing it and that's when we were told um as we could talk about it more when we knew we were getting oliver as an adoption or a baby we thought it was a girl um we, yeah, this whole time we thought it was a girl, but I had a dream of a boy named Oliver. So I'm like, okay, we're obviously having a second child at some point that's going to be a boy because we have to name him Oliver. It's better than Keon. Um, so I, uh, yeah, it was basically, I hung on to that one. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm sorry, you can't name him. We've I got the name, it's Oliver. And if it's a girl, his name's Oliver. Uh,
1: fast forward to getting woken up in the middle of the night that she's in labor and um you know god is so sovereign and so faithful because he woke us up literally like we didn't have phones on or anything woke us up we saw the message we got there by the time jake dropped me off at the hospital doors and went to park when he came back up i was already in the Mm c-section and i was uh the first person to hold oliver Mm -hmm. and then we got to go to a room with him right away and you know, when my parents walked in, I was doing skin-to-skin in the bed with Oliver. Jake was beside me, and my mm. mom said it was like you had just had the baby. Like, God was so faithful to let us experience mm. every piece of it that, you know, I got to hold him first, that we got to be with him mm. first, that, that he was ours from the beginning. And um, we we had been prepped by the social worker and the... the um, by the hospital staff, yeah. that he would be taken immediately, that he'd be put in the NICU, that he'd be put mm-hmm. on morphine, uh, that we'd be in for a long road, probably a few weeks in the hospital. And I think after, like, 10 hours had passed or yeah, something, we're like, why are they not taking him? <laughs> and we couldn't understand it. Yeah, they had
2: to keep doing some Finnegan's test or whatever. And mm-hmm. if he scored high, they knew, okay, he's addicted. And I think they said if he got eight scores three in a row, that's when they had to send him, and he never got over a three. <laughs> so they... We they know why, but out. they were yeah. just like, yeah, no, he's like more healthy than the average baby. Yeah. So again, with the adoption process, after a mom saying, oh, you know, you want my baby, here you go, type thing, um, obviously you knew there was lawyers involved. She didn't want CAS involved at all. And so long story short, uh, basically this guy contacted us and said, uh, yeah, this sounds, I've done this case once with a similar situation, but just it was with a family member. Um, didn't want the child, but anyways, he said, uh, "Yeah, all, all you need to do is find a lawyer for the mum. You will have to pay that fee, but you just sign off that you are the legal guardian. You're the parent. Mum is waiving all her rights because she knows she can't care for the baby. Instead of twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars, it cost us two grand in total to for this whole process. So that in itself was bizarre." Like how financially we didn't even have to worry about it. And then uh, we had a, a, some friends in Pathway, actually, uh, graciously donate us as an excessive amount of money. That was totally unnecessary, but they firmly believe that they, you might be able to touch on that. They wanted they to. They felt that God
1: had asked them to put this money away a while mm-hmm. ago and to build on it. And, and they didn't know what it was for, um, but both of them had had such a heart for adoption, although that was not in their plan. Um, and so when they heard our story, they said that they went home that night and just looked at each other, and they're like, "That's what the money's for." Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, thank you, yeah, really yeah. like that. that it it covered, covered everything and more, mm-hmm. and took all the stress. And and again, mm-hmm. was just a reassurance of the doubt that you know, mm-hmm. no, this is happening because God mm-hmm. doesn't just. Like, yeah. you know, they say God opens the door. He swung the mm-hmm. doors open. It I got was so on. evident. I definitely
2: got hit by the doors. <laughs> it was just crazy. Still long Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that was, that's Pathway Church for you. And honestly, the generosity and, and, the, and the village that we have here in Stratford.
1: Yeah. A reminder that who you surround yourself with is so important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, too, I think to touch on the birth mom again, um when, when she decided not to abort the baby, that comes back to our friend Stephanie, uh, who arranged all of this. She fostered the birth mom as a teen, mm-hmm. and uh, she took her to church, and, and she um, actually accepted Jesus with her and stuff, and, and she said to us, she said, uh, uh, you know, I don't believe in God anymore, or maybe I do, I don't know, but mm-hmm. but Stephanie taught me that, that this is what God would want, and, and so to see 15 mm-hmm. years later That's that fair. truly the seeds you sow into children um, you know, flourish one day, and and mm-hmm. and you reap those those things. And so yeah. we're just so grateful that that she was poured into. Yeah. So yeah, there is no doubt in anyone's mind that God did this. Mm-hmm. And so when people come to us asking for advice or whatever, mm-hmm. the only thing we can yeah. tell them is stay the course, yeah, and let God do the rest. And you know, for almost seven years, we didn't know what that looked like. Mm-hmm. And when people would say, "Oh, it'll be worth it." You know hang on i wanted to punch mm-hmm. them in the face yeah. but now i'm like frick they mm-hmm. were right mm-hmm. like they were right like here we are and mm-hmm. it's so worth it and mm-hmm. and um yeah i think ultimately it just comes down to having people around you who are going to support you mm-hmm. and just trusting god with the vision as hard as that can be
0: mm-hmm.